We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 432 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Monday, October 31st, 2022. It is Halloween 2022. Happy Halloween. And it is trick or treat with the Commanders. They now have won three consecutive games. Not a single one of the three consecutive victories has been, shall we say, a thing of beauty, ergo the trick. But the Commanders are back at 500 at 4-4. Four and four. The Commanders are legitimately in playoff contention. They are tied with the 4-4 four and four San Francisco 49ers for seventh in the NFC, ergo the treat. It is trick or treat. With the Commanders, take your pick. Perhaps the answer is both trick and treat. Hello and welcome to this Commanders postgame show, Halloween Monday installment of the Al Galdi podcast off a 17-16 win at the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday. The Commanders overcame a 16-7 fourth quarter deficit as the legend of quarterback Taylor Heineke grew even more and the stature of receiver Terry McLaurin grew even more. What a job by both of those guys. Next segment, a proper deep dive on the performance of each guy, including a lot for you on the play. Taylor's fourth quarter, first and 10, 33-yard shotgun completion to Terry, who made an outstanding contested catch and jumping over corner Stephon Gilmore and then wrestling the ball away from him to give the Commanders a first and goal at the one. What is quite possibly the play of the Commanders season so far. Uh, What a moment that was. What a play that was by Terry McLaurin. I also have a lot for you on the performance of the Commanders defense. Uh, What was a rather uneven performance? I'll discuss a number of other observations from the game, and I will hit on the latest regarding Commander's co-owner and co-CEO Dan Snyder and Colts owner and CEO Jim Mercer. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on the Dan stuff. I think we're all dealing with Dan fatigue at this point, but there was some stuff that popped up 
over these last few days. You know, when the Commanders fell to 1-4, and four, I said that I wanted one of two things for the team the rest of this season. I wanted the Commanders to either go on a great run, or I wanted them to lose a bunch of games. The middle will do us no good. So either go 9-8 and eight or better, or go, say, 4-13 and 13 or worse, okay? And you can quibble with those records, but you get the idea. The middle is a road to nowhere. The fear, and I do have this fear, the fear with these three consecutive wins is that they are wins on a road to nowhere. They are wins that aren't going to lead to the commanders making the playoffs, but are going to lead to the commanders' draft capital and the perceived-to-be-quarterback-rich 2023 NFL draft being lessened. Trust me, I do have this concern. But I also look at things this way. The team winning these last three games and hopefully continuing to win, potentially, possibly, are signs that things are getting better. That things maybe aren't as bad as we thought at one and four. That the players are better. That the coaching is better than we were thinking at one and four. Let's see. I mean, nobody is overwhelmed by the nature of these three straight wins. 12-7 at the Chicago Bears on Thursday Night Football in Week 6. 23-21 over the Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field in Week 7. And now 17-16 at the Indianapolis Colts in Week 8. But these are three wins. The commander's season has not fallen apart, despite ample reason to think that the season might fall apart. And there is something to be said for that. Here's something that was especially interesting to me after the win at the Colts. Head coach Ron Rivera, not exactly thrilled. Uh, This was Ron during his postgame press conference on Sunday evening on if momentum is building for the commanders. I like to believe so. You know, I, I, again, I think we can we can grow off of it. We can feed off of the energy. Um, but the truth of the matter too is, you know, against you know other opponents, you 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 can't constantly miss the opportunities. And like I said, you have to do what you should do, what you're supposed to do, what you're being coached to do, what the defense asks, what the offense asks, what's supposed to. You've got to do your job. We put ourselves a couple times, and, and th- this is what really disappoints me, is because we put ourselves in a bad spot a few times, and and that's what I told the guys that when we, you know, when we see it, we'll see it on tape. You know, we'll we'll make sure everybody understands. So interesting to me that Ron Rivera spoke like that during his post game press conference on Sunday evening. Yes, the Commanders have won three consecutive games. Yes, the Commanders are back at 500, but the commanders are far from a great team, and even the head coach acknowledges that. And you know what? That is the proper, healthy way to be assessing this team. Uh, Ron Rivera later in his postgame press conference on Sunday evening got asked about sounding frustrated after this win at the Colts. Here was his explanation. Because, as I said, there are some things that we should have done, some things that we, we, we sh- you know, we're, 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 this is part of what we do. Play the game within, you know, what things are coached and designed. And, and, and if you do it the way we ask, you know, and, and, and we win, they, they get the glory. You do it the way we ask and we lose, it's, all, it's my fault, okay? It's on me. But when you do your own thing, you, you can't do it that way. And that's what, you know, we're trying to stress. We're trying to get these guys to, to make sure they understand it's important to do it the way we ask because, you know, trust us, it, it, it's, it's all part of, you know, coming together as a team. Yeah, so Ron Rivera after this win at the Colts, far from giddy. And I have to say, I like that. Be demanding. 
Be a perfectionist. Don't be deluded by the result when the process left a lot to be desired. If you are among those who aren't feeling, you know, all chipper and giddy over the commanders having won three consecutive games, you're not alone. The head coach actually shares in some of that feeling, although for different reasons. I don't know that Ron is thinking about positioning in the 2023 NFL draft so much as he is acknowledging, yeah, we've won three consecutive games, but uh, we have left a lot to be desired in each of those three wins. But you know, you can flip all of this around and you can say, hey, the commanders are extremely flawed and yet still they are 500. What if this team gets, wait for it, good? Then what? If the team can be significantly flawed and yet still be 500, what might we see if the team this season becomes good? <laughs> I can't, hard to say that with a straight face, right? But that is possible. This team legitimately, truly becoming good this season. We have a lot to cover on this show. Cover it all, we shall, you and me, on this installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Also on the show, the Wizards. Uh, a rough weekend for the Wiz. Friday night, a 127-117 loss to the Indiana Pacers at Capital One Arena. Sunday evening, a 112-94 loss at the Boston Celtics in a game that featured one of the worst scoring performances of Bradley Beal's career. Not what you want from a Supermax contract player in a big game against an Eastern Conference power like the Celtics. Uh, much more later in the show. I have a capital segment for you. Impressive win for the Camps on Saturday night. A 3-0 shutout win at the Nashville Predators, despite the Camps in the first period losing defenseman John Carlson and forward TJ Oshie to lower body injuries, and despite the Caps already being without four key forwards due to injury in Connor Brown, Nicholas Backstrom, Tom Wilson, and Carl Haglin. Uh, and I'll talk college football, including Navy's 27-20 home overtime win over Temple on Saturday. Virginia's ugly, and I mean ugly, 14-12 home quadruple overtime loss to Miami on Saturday afternoon in a game in which neither team scored a single touchdown uh, and a big last few days for Liberty, despite it not playing a game. Uh, the Flames now are ranked. They are the number 23 team in the FBS per the Associated Press Top 25 poll that came out on Sunday afternoon. And Liberty on Friday afternoon announced a contract extension for head coach Hugh Freeze through the 2030 season. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Lots of feedback on the commanders off their win at the Colts. Tweet from Taylor Heineke superfan, Dr. Sabah. Uh, writes Dr. Sabah, Al, we won this game 90% because of Taylor Heineke. His coaches handcuffed him all game until they put him out on a limb, and he won despite his coaches. Taylor and Terry are like Steve Young and Jerry Rice. <laughs> Perfectly reasonable comparison, Dr. Sabah. Perfectly reasonable. Uh, tweet from Kenneth Heineke time, what a fighter, struggled most of the game, but still came up huge with the win. Thank you, Scary Terry, and our defense. A tweet from District Sports Talk, wish they showed Danny Boy's reaction in the box after that TD. Yeah, I bet Danny Boy was giving the uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin double middle finger to Jim Ursay. A tweet from James King, Terry might be underpaid. 
Uh, yeah, you know what? I guess that is a possibility. Tweet from John Fagan. Another game that feels like a loss. Hard to feel good about it. Uh, yeah, I hear you. Uh, there are plenty of Commanders fans for whom this win at the Colts is a problem. We can't necessarily do anything about that right now, but we can do something if you are having any skin problems. Uh, Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland are there for you. Whatever your dermatological needs may be, call 301-396-3401 and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Dr. George Verghese is a big Commanders fan. He's a loyal listener of this podcast. And operating under his direction is the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland focus on medical skin care, cosmetic procedures, and skin cancer diagnosis and comprehensive care. If you're dealing with allergic reactions, if you're dealing with acne, psoriasis, or eczema, if you're interested in procedures like Botox, laser hair removal, or chemical peels, if you are dealing with skin cancer or have dealt with skin cancer or want to get screened for skin cancer, contact Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Heck, Dr. Verghese and the Institute offer free skin cancer screenings in addition to offering advanced treatments for many skin cancers, including treatments that many other practices do not offer, like SRT, which is superficial radiation therapy. To find out more, call 301 396 3401. That's 301-396-3401. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. But call 301-396-3401. You can also visit midatlanticskin.com. That's midatlanticskin.com. For excellent and comprehensive skincare, contact Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Well, nearly 20 years to the day of the last time that Washington won a regular season game over the Indianapolis Colts, we got what we got on Sunday. The Commanders winning their third consecutive game and improving to 4-4 four and four with a 17-16 win at the Colts. Uh, Washington snapped a four-game regular season losing streak to the Colts, beat them for the first time since October 27th, 2002. And let us now address the two biggest reasons why. Quarterback Taylor Heineke and receiver Terry McLaurin. Taylor and Terry. Terry and Taylor. (laughs) It's so funny how things play out. A major theme at Taylor Heineke's post-practice press conference this past Wednesday afternoon was his connection with Terry McLaurin. I got into that quite a bit on last Thursday's show episode 430. Well, that connection ended up being very much on display in this win at the Colts on Sunday. Uh, Let's start with Terry because I have a lot that I want to say about Taylor. And if I do Taylor first, then I'm going to end up not talking about Terry until very deep in this segment. Uh, The Commanders this past July 5th officially announced having signed Terry McLaurin to a three-year contract extension. And the news of the Terry McLaurin contract extension was more well-received than any non-game result Washington football item in years. I mean, there was legitimate real joy among Commanders fans when this Terry McLaurin contract extension news broke. And for good reason. Terry McLaurin is the team's number one receiver. 
He is the franchise's best receiver taken out of college in an NFL draft since the great Art Monk in 1980. And Terry has been locked up via this contract extension. This was really good news. Well, Terry McLaurin this season, much like interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen last season off signing his big money contract extension, is very much living up to the extension. Terry this year, like John last year, got paid and actually has gotten better. Terry has come up so huge for the Commanders in their last two games now. The 23-21 win over the Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field in Week 7 and the 17-16 win at the Indianapolis Colts in Week 8. He has performed like a true franchise WR1. Uh, take a listen to this exchange during head coach Rod Rivera's postgame press conference on Sunday evening. Commander's insider Matthew Paris of the Washington Times and Ron. This may be a stupid question, but when you pay Terry, are you envisioning that he makes yes. plays like that? I envision him playing the way he's plays. You know what I'm saying? He did, he did those plays before he got paid. He's de- making these plays now that he's been paid. He's still the same guy. He's the same person. Um, the one thing I do like is he, he constantly tells me now, I want the ball. So, you know, that's that's a big deal. What is it like to see that shift? Um, it just, it, it, I, I think everything that's he's gone through and everything we've gone through with him and then getting the contract done, this guy really kind of probably told him, hey, you are number one. Good stuff there from Ron Rivera on Terry McLaurin. So Terry on Sunday, playing in Indianapolis, playing in the city that he comes from. Six receptions for 113 yards on eight targets. Uh, No catch, of course, bigger than this one. The commander's 11th offensive drive resulted in Taylor Heineke's first and goal, one-yard quarterback sneak touchdown run with 22 seconds left in the fourth quarter. The eighth Snap of the drive, the snap right before the touchdown. Taylor, a first and 10, 33-yard shotgun completion to Terry, who made an outstanding contested catch in jumping over corner Stephon Gilmore and then wrestling the ball away from Gilmore to give the commanders a first and goal at the one. Terry finished the 2021 regular season number one in the NFL with 25 contested catches, for Pro Football Focus. We have talked about that on this podcast. Uh, What Terry did on this 33-yard reception was the definition of a contested catch. This was as contested as a contested catch gets. Uh, Here was Terry during his post-game press conference on Sunday evening on the catch. It was a, you know, it was a normal concept that we run and, uh, um, you know, I was backside with Stefan Gilmore and he's an unbelievable player. I have a lot of respect for him. And um, a few plays before that on a scramble drew, I, I got loose on him and uh, Taylor threw it to the right and, you know, uh, scramble drill, you just want to make it make be available for your quarterback. And I kind of have a feel when he's going to start extending the play. And, um, you know, on this particular play or the, on the catch, I kind of did like a, a pirouette around Gilmore and I got loose and um, Taylor saw me and he just gave me a chance for the ball. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of confidence. I was going to come down with that ball. Um, and it was just a great a great overall play. But from the O-line to Taylor just giving me a chance. And, um, you know, it's just it's kind of cool to, to be able to make that kind of play when earlier in my football career in college and stuff, I struggled with contested catches. And to be in a position where I'm able to make the play for the team again, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. And it just, it just makes me more eager to continue to work and get better. 
All right. Here was Taylor Heineke during his postgame press conference on Sunday evening on the catch by Terry McLaurin. So, um, Terry was actually kind of a decoy on that, uh, based on the coverage that we got. And we're really trying to pry a hole open for the number two guy. And I wasn't comfortable throwing the number two guy. I just couldn't see clearly. He might have been open, maybe not. I don't know. But, um, and then it turned into a scramble drill. And uh, before I got out of the pocket, I kind of saw that, you know, the pocket was very clean. So I kind of stood back there and let the receivers do their thing, kind of get open. And I looked back left and I see Terry behind Gilmore. And I said, hey, let's give this guy another shot. And he, he continues to make the plays. So, um, I can't, again, you know, Terry's that dude. He's got that dog in him. And, uh, again, I'm going to keep continue to give him opportunities to make big plays. And you should. And here was Rod Rivera during his postgame press conference on Sunday evening on The Catch by Terry McLaurin. You know, it was one of those things that, that, that Terry wasn't going to be d- denied. You know, the nice thing was he was in the lead position, so he got a chance to focus on the ball the whole time and was able to anticipate the jump and go get it and, um, and, and wrestle it away from, uh, from a very good football player. What a tough clutch reception by Terry McLaurin. What a tough clutch reception by our Commanders franchise, WR1. Uh, You know, the Commanders do not have a franchise quarterback. They do have a franchise receiver. Also for Terry in this win at the Colts, uh, the Commanders' third offensive drive at six plays, 75 yards, resulted in Taylor Heineke's second quarter, first and goal, nine-yard shotgun play action, touchdown pass, to running back Antonio Gibson, the third snap of that drive, Taylor of first and 10, 42-yard shotgun completion to Terry McLaurin on a pass across the middle. Terry on that reception generated 38 yards after the catch. 38 of the 42 yards on that reception were a yak by Terry. Uh, terrific stuff from Terry McLaurin on Sunday. And yes, terrific stuff, certainly late in the game, from Taylor Heineke. Uh, our guy Tay-Tay did it again. Tay-Tay struck again, this time at the Colts. Uh, he was the commander starting quarterback for a second consecutive game. He overall was way more good than bad, and he came up huge in the fourth quarter off on his first pass attempt in the quarter, having thrown a brutal interception. I'll get to that coming up in a bit. But before we go any further in our Taylor Heineke discussion, I did think that the commanders offensively in this game were way too conservative and way too committed to a running game that just was not working. Uh, I was not in love with the play calling of offensive coordinator Scott Turner. The commanders scored 17 points in the game. Okay, that in and of itself is a problem. 17 points in the game but you scored seven points over the first three quarters as opposed to 10 points in just the fourth quarter. It's no coincidence that the commanders threw the ball a ton in the fourth quarter. Their passing offense was working. Their rushing offense was not working. This thing about being committed to the run really needs to be put in its proper place. Being committed to the run sounds great. And, you know, so many people, for whatever reason, still love to talk about being committed to the run and still love to hear about being committed to the run, maybe because it reminds them of their childhoods. I don't know, okay? But being committed to the run is dumb when your rushing offense isn't good. And the commander's rushing offense on Sunday wasn't good with the exceptions of some runs 
by receiver Curtis Samuel. And the truth is, the commander's rushing offense overall this season has not been good. Now, the rushing offense in certain games has been good, but the overall body of work by the commander's rushing offense this season has not been good. And Sunday was another bad day. Uh, Running backs Brian Robinson Jr., Antonio Gibson, and J.D. McKissick combined for 17 carries for 45 yards. That works out to a woeful 2.65 yards per carry. And there were some big spots in which the commander's running game fell on its face. Uh, The commander's sixth offensive drive was the opening drive of the second half, resulted in a third quarter turnover on downs. The sixth snap of the drive, fourth and one for the commanders at the Colts 49. Brian Robinson Jr., a minus one yard pistol handoff run on which the blocking was abysmal. Uh, The commander's 11th offensive drive did result in the Taylor Heineke first and goal one yard quarterback sneak touchdown run with 22 seconds left in the fourth quarter, but the third snap of that drive and the first snap after the second half two-minute warning, J.D. McKissick, a third and three two-yard shotgun handoff run on which he slipped and fell down. The running game wasn't working. The passing game was far from perfect, but it worked a lot better than the running game did. Uh, Taylor Heineke came up huge over the commander's final two offensive drives. The commander's 10th offensive drive, a 12-play, 82-yard drive that consumed 6 minutes, 17 seconds off the clock, resulted in kicker Joey Sly's fourth quarter 28-yard field goal to cut the Colts' lead to 16-10. Taylor Heineke on this drive, so efficient and so productive. First snap of the drive, first and 10 for the Commanders at their 8. Taylor Heineke fired a 10-yard shotgun completion to Antonio Gibson. Second snap of the drive, Taylor Heineke, first and 10, 12-yard shotgun completion to Antonio Gibson on a screen. Third snap of the drive, Taylor Heineke, a first and 10, 18-yard shotgun completion to Terry McLaurin. The seventh snap of the drive on a fourth and six for the Commanders at the Colts 48, Taylor Heineke, an 18-yard shotgun completion to Curtis Samuel. That was one of the massive plays in the game. Uh, the eighth snap of the drive, Taylor Heineke, a first and 10, 13-yard under center play action completion to tight end Armani Rogers. The ninth snap of the drive, first and 10 for the commanders at the Colts 17, Taylor Heineke, a four-yard shotgun scramble. Then we had the commander's 11th offensive drive, started at the commander's 11 with just two minutes, 39 seconds left in the fourth quarter, and the commander's trailing 16-10, ended up being a nine-play, 89-yard drive, resulted in that Taylor Heineke first and goal, one-yard quarterback sneak touchdown run with 22 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Ensuing extra point gave the commanders a 17-16 lead. The fourth snap of the drive, fourth and one for the commanders at their 20. Taylor Heineke, a 12-yard shotgun completion to Curtis Samuel on an off-schedule play on which Taylor threw while scrambling to his right. Another massive play in this game. Two big fourth down completions from Taylor Heineke to Curtis Samuel in the fourth quarter. Six snap of the drive. Taylor Heineke, second and six, nine-yard shotgun scramble on which he got the first down and got out of bounds. The seventh snap of the drive. Taylor Heineke, a first and 10, 21-yard shotgun completion on a missile to Cam Sims. The eighth snap of the drive and the snap right before the touchdown. The big completion, Taylor Heineke to Terry McLaurin, a first and 10, 33-yard shotgun completion on an outstanding contested catch 
by Terry McLaurin over corner Stefan Gilmore. You know, statistically speaking, Taylor Heineke did some very nice things in this game. He averaged exactly nine yards per pass attempt. Uh, a yards per pass attempt of nine is excellent. Taylor over 31 pass attempts threw for 279 yards. That works out to nine yards per pass attempt. Uh, Taylor completed 23 of his 31 pass attempts. That works out to a completion percentage of 74 Uh, Taylor made an impact with his legs. He had six carries for 29 yards and a touchdown. So I did think that there was a lot more good than bad from Taylor Heineke in this game, but there was bad from Taylor. Uh, Make no mistake, uh, you start with the horrendous fourth quarter interception, the commander's ninth offensive drive. This happened in a big spot in the game, happened off the Colts having just taken a 9-7 lead. The lone snap of the drive, first and 10 for the Commanders at their 25. Taylor Heineke, while under pressure and taking a shot from edge defender Tyquan Lewis, threw a shotgun play action pass into the vicinity of three Colts defenders, was intercepted by linebacker Shaq Leonard. Now, the ball did also get tipped by Lewis, but the ensuing Colts offensive drive resulted in a touchdown, resulted in running back Naheem Hines' fourth quarter first and goal six-yard shotgun handoff touchdown run, and the ensuing extra point gave the Colts a 16-7 lead. That was a pass that cannot be thrown. It was thrown, and the result was disaster. Uh, Taylor nearly had another interception. The commander's fifth offensive drive resulted in a late second quarter punt, the sixth snap of the drive on a third and one for the commanders at their 42. Taylor Heineke, while being pressured and taking a hit from edge defender Tyquan Lewis through a dangerous shotgun pass that was way wide of the target, J.D. McKissick, and was nearly intercepted by corner Kenny Moore the second. Uh, Taylor quarterback to commander's offense that went just 2 of 12 on third downs. Uh, the commander's offense of having been quite good on third downs in the 23-21 win over the Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field in Week 7. Not good on third downs in this win at the Colts. Uh, I mentioned Taylor being a factor with his legs. Uh, well, he also had some boo-boos on scrambles. A uh, commander's first offensive drive resulted in a first quarter punt, the fourth snap of the drive on a third and five for the commander's at their 38. Taylor Heineke, in attempting to scramble up the middle, ran himself into a sack, a uh, sack by interior defensive lineman DeForest Buckner for a one-yard loss. The commander's fifth offensive drive resulted in a late second quarter punt, the fifth snap of the drive. Taylor Heineke had a second and six, five-yard shotgun scramble run. Uh, The run was initially ruled a six-yard run for a first down, but replay review deemed that Taylor gave himself up before the first down marker. Uh, Shades of what happened to Taylor in the touchdown run that wasn't a touchdown run in the loss at the Packers last season. Uh, You know, you got to be more mindful of where you are on the field And, you know, you need to be more mindful of the mechanics of giving yourself up. Now, that was ultra close, what happened on that play. But still, it was close. And the commanders ended up being denied a first down run on that scramble by Taylor. Uh, Also, Taylor took an unnecessary shot. Uh, The commander's fourth offensive drive resulted in a second quarter punt, the fifth snap of the drive. Taylor had a third and 14 nine-yard shotgun scramble on which he took a stiff shot from linebacker Bobby Okereke. But still, Taylor Heineke came up so big in the clutch, and the Commanders won the game. And consider this, and look, I'm the first person to say that judging a quarterback by his one-loss record is extremely flawed, but let's have some fun. Let's let our hair down. It is Halloween, after all. Uh, Taylor Heineke now has a regular season record as a Washington quarterback of 9-8. and eight. 
seven and eight in the 2021 regular season, two and zero oh in the 2022 regular season. He has this nine and eight mark, despite the intent never having been for him to be the QB one, despite him having constantly quarterbacked Washington offenses, missing key players due to injury, and last season due to COVID. Uh, Taylor Heineke, aka Tay-Tay, a regular season record as a Washington quarterback of nine and eight. Even with the understanding that you have to be very careful when judging a quarterback by his one loss record, that's not bad, all things considered. Taylor Heineke, nine and eight as a Washington quarterback in the regular season. Well, like the Taylor Heineke, Terry McLaurin connection, Dr. Matthew Mintz and you will have a great connection if you have struggled to lose weight or have lost weight, but then put weight back on. If you have struggled with weight loss, struggle no more. Dr. Matthew Mintz, he is a board-certified internal medicine physician and weight loss expert in Bethesda, Maryland. Dr. Mintz understands your frustration because he himself has struggled with being overweight. You see, there's a reason that most weight loss programs fail, and that's because the human body has evolved over time to prevent you from losing weight. And while these mechanisms were protective hundreds of years ago, today these mechanisms just make weight loss extremely difficult. Well, the solution is medical weight loss. By using prescription medications that fight the factors that prevent weight loss, Dr. Mintz will help you achieve your weight loss goals. And not only will you lose the weight, but you'll keep the weight off. And while you may have tried weight loss medications in the past, there now are newer medications that are not only safe and effective, but also can achieve nearly the same weight loss as surgery. You see, Dr. Mintz does not use powders, shakes, or other special foods that you need to purchase. Instead, he uses prescription medications and personalized lifestyle changes, and he'll give you the support that you need to succeed. Dr. Mintz's medical weight loss program includes an initial in-person comprehensive evaluation, blood work, and a customized weight loss plan, in-person or virtual follow-up visits to keep you on track a full year of phone calls and emails to answer your questions or troubleshoot problems, and one year of prescription medications for weight loss. The good news is that many, if not all of these things, will be covered by or reimbursable through your insurance. Dr. Matthew Mintz has been in practice for over 25 years. He serves as clinical faculty at the George Washington University School of Medicine, and he is consistently ranked as a top doctor by Washingtonian Magazine. He is a huge Commanders fan. He is a loyal listener of the Al Galdi podcast. If you are ready to lose your excess weight the right way, find out more about Dr. Matthew Mintz's medical weight loss program by calling 855-646-8963. That's 855-646-8963. And make sure that you tell Dr. Mintz that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit drmintz.com. That's D-R-Mintz-M-I-N-T-Z.com and click on medical weight loss. That's 855-646-8963 or drmintz.com. And make sure that you tell Dr. Mintz that Al Galdi sent you.
If you would like to sponsor the Al Galdi podcast, if you would like to advertise your business or practice on the pod and grow your business or practice by reaching thousands of people every episode, hit us up. The email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. The commander's defense in their 17-16 win at the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday. Well, overall to me, the defense was disappointing. Uh, The defense had been playing quite well. I did not think that the defense played very well in this game. However, it does say something about the defense that it can allow just 16 points and we can feel like it didn't play very well. That tells you about how far the defense has come since the struggles of last season and since the struggles of early this season. Let me make this clear. The defense in the win at the Colts wasn't like terrible. Uh, The defense just wasn't great. And I was wanting great, especially considering the opposition. Uh, Now, the commanders were without linebacker Cole Holcomb. He was inactive due to a foot sprain. Uh, Also inactive was, yes, corner William Jackson III, third consecutive game that he was inactive as he deals with a back injury and as he is perhaps on the verge of being traded uh, with the NFL trade deadline on Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Edge defender Chase Young, of course, remains on the reserve, physically unable to perform list. Perhaps that will change this coming week. Interior defensive lineman Fidarian Mathis remains on the reserve injured list. So no doubt some key commander's defensive players are out. Uh, The biggest positive for the defense by far wasn't holding the Colts to just the 16 points and doing so via two huge takeaways and via holding the Colts to just one of three in the red zone. Uh, The Colts' fifth offensive drive on a second quarter, second and 14 for the Colts, At the Commanders 17, the Commanders generated what went down officially as a team sack, and then Colts quarterback Sam Ellinger, on his own, fumbled. And the fumble was recovered by interior defensive lineman Deron Payne as Sam Ellinger just lost the football. He was attempting to scramble up the middle, and Deron recovered the fumble. So that was a big play right there. By the way, also on that drive, the sixth snap of the drive and the snap Right before the takeaway, first and 10 for the Colts at the Commanders 13, interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen tackled running back Deion Jackson for a four-yard loss on an under-center handoff run. So the Commanders did allow the Colts to drive down the field, but the defense stiffened and got some good luck and ended up not giving up any points. Uh, The Colts' seventh offensive drive, this resulted in kicker Chase McLaughlin's third-quarter 39-yard field goal to cut the Commanders' lead to 7-6, but the ninth snap of the drive on a third and three for the Colts at the Commanders' 21, Deron Payne tackled running back Jonathan Taylor for no gain on an under-center handoff run. Uh, The Colts' eighth offensive drive, the fifth snap of that drive, safety Derek Forrest, a third-quarter forced fumble that was recovered by edge defender Casey Tuhill as on a second and two at the Commander's 26, Forrest, a.k.a. Defoe, forced the fumble by running back Jonathan Taylor on a six-yard under-center handoff run. So, Two big takeaways for the commander's defense in this game. The beauty of the takeaway is that it can mask so many other deficiencies. And you saw that in this game. The commanders gave stuff up. But because the commanders generated these two takeaways, the commanders ended up only giving up 
16 points. And it's a tricky thing, right? Because the commander's defense, at least so far this season, had not been doing a good job of producing takeaways. The commander's defense over the team's first seven games in this 2022 regular season produced a mere two takeaways. Uh, Well, the commander's defense in just this win at the Colts produced two takeaways. Takeaways can be flukish. Uh, Takeaways don't always make sense. I have felt that the commander's takeaway luck would change as this season went on. And sure enough, we saw that luck change, at least for Sunday. Uh, We did see some good things from the commander's defensive line. I mentioned some of what Deron Payne did. Uh, Edge defender James Smith-Williams had three quarterback hits, although he did also commit a second quarter 14-yard face mask penalty in tackling Sam Ellinger on a second and one shotgun run for no gain. Uh, Also, edge defender Montez Sweat had two quarterback hits. But speaking of Sam Ellinger, so I think the principal reason that I don't feel great about the commander's defensive performance in this game is that the commanders didn't just like wreck Sam Ellinger. And you know what? Maybe Sam Ellinger ends up becoming a great NFL quarterback, but he was the Colts starting quarterback in this game as he was making his first career NFL regular season start. Understand that Sam Ellinger had never thrown an NFL regular season pass. And the commanders by no means dominated Sam Ellinger. And what I wanted and what I'm sure many of you wanted was domination of Sam Ellinger. We did not get that in this game. Uh, The commanders allowed Ellinger over 23 pass attempts to throw for 201 yards. Uh, That works out to 8.74 yards per pass attempt. I earlier in the show talked about commanders quarterback Taylor Heineke in this game averaging nine yards per pass attempt. Well, Ellinger averaged 8.74 yards per pass attempt. Uh, The commanders allowed Ellinger to complete 17 of his 23 pass attempts. That works out to a completion percentage of 73.91. The commanders allowed the Sam Ellinger quarterback Colts to go 5-12 on third downs. You know, it's not like the commanders had another game in which they just shut down the opposing offense from a third down perspective. No, Sam Ellinger and the Colts went 5-12 on third downs. And speaking of that commander's third down defense, how about this? Head coach Ron Rivera, during his postgame press conference on Sunday evening, had quite the reveal. Take a listen to this exchange between commander's insider Michael Phillips of Richmond.com and Ron. I asked you earlier in the week if this is a team that needs to face the adversity before they rise to the challenge, and it's probably not great for anybody's heart to win games that way, but is that what we're working with here? I don't disagree. Um, it's a little concerning at times, but, you know, we we talked in there a little bit about what we can do uh, as opposed to what we can't do, but the truth matters when we watch this tape and, and I'm told the guys, I promise you there's going to be things that you sit there and say, I should have done this better. I should have done that. That's the thing. That's the difference between what I just talked about was what we can do, what we can do, but what we should do. Um, do our jobs. There's a couple things that really are disappointing. You know, we had an opportunity on a couple of those third downs to shut them down, and we had a couple of guys do their own things, and that's crap. We're not going to have that. We're going to get that corrected. So how about that from Ron Rivera on the commander's defense? Quote, we had a couple guys do their own things, and that's crap. End quote. Uh, Shades of Ron last season talking about not everyone adhering to the defensive scheme. And this does go back to what I talked about in the opening segment of the show. Ron Rivera during that postgame press conference on Sunday evening wasn't all giddy with this win. Uh, Ron recognized that this was very much a flawed performance by his team. And he's right about that. This was very much a flawed performance 
by his team. Uh, the Commanders on Sunday registered just two sacks and six quarterback hits, and one of the sacks was that team sack that was basically a gift of a takeaway, courtesy of Sam Ellinger, and the other sack came seemingly due to the Colts' offensive line not being ready for the play. Uh, the Colts' third offensive drive resulted in kicker Chase McLaughlin's early second quarter 46-yard field goal for a 3-0 Colts lead. The ninth snap of the drive, the final snap of the first quarter, second and nine for the Colts at the Commanders' 24. Deron Payne had a sack of Sam Ellinger for a six-yard loss. Duran was part of immediate pressure by the commanders on what seemed like a snap for which the Colts' offensive line wasn't ready. So, you know, the commanders' pass rush in this game, I thought, left some things to be desired. And also, keep this in mind, what happened in the final minute of the game. The Colts' 12th offensive drive resulted in the end of the game but the first snap of the drive, first and 10 for the Colts at their 25, with the Commanders nursing a 17-16 lead with 22 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Receiver Michael Pittman Jr., a brutal drop on what should have been a deep completion by Sam Ellinger on a shotgun pass. If Pittman makes the catch that he should have made, we are perhaps having a very different conversation on this podcast right now. Uh, another problem for the commander's defense in the win at the Colts, the commanders got run on. You know, the commander's run defense overall this season has been really good. The run defense in the win at the Colts was not so good. Uh, the commanders allowed Colts running backs, Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, and Deion Jackson, and receiver Paris Campbell to combine for 23 carries for 120 yards and a touchdown. And the commanders gave up some big runs in this game. Colts Third offensive drive resulted in Chase McLaughlin's early second quarter 46-yard field goal for a 3-0 Colts lead. The seventh snap of the drive on a third and two for the Colts at their 48. The Commanders gave up a late first quarter 27-yard shotgun handoff run to running back Jonathan Taylor. Now, Taylor, after the play, left the game due to aggravating an ankle injury, but he did then return to the game in the second quarter, but a 27-yard run right there on the Colts' fifth offensive drive, uh, which resulted in that Sam Ellinger fumble that was recovered by Deron Payne. Uh, the first snap of that drive, the Commanders gave up a first and 10 at 28-yard under center handoff run to receiver Paris Campbell on an end-around run. All things told, the Commanders in the game gave up five plays that each went for at least 22 yards and committed a 30-yard penalty. Uh, you had the big completion from Sam Ellinger to Alec Pierce of the Colts' eighth offensive drive, the one that resulted in Derek Forrest's third quarter force fumble that was recovered by Casey Tuhill. But the third snap of the drive and two snaps before the takeaway, second and 14 for the Colts at their 19 corner. Benjamin St. Juice got beat by receiver Alec Pierce on a Sam Ellinger 47-yard shotgun completion to Pierce. Uh, the Colts' ninth offensive drive resulted in Chase McLaughlin's fourth quarter 20-yard field goal for a 9-7 Colts lead. Third snap of the drive, final snap of the third quarter, the Commanders gave up a Sam Ellinger second and 11, 38-yard shotgun completion to receiver Paris Campbell on a receiver screen. Fourth snap of the drive, first snap of the fourth quarter, linebacker Jamin Davis got beat by running back Naheem Hines on a Sam Ellinger first and 10, 22-yard shotgun completion to Hines, although Jamin later on the drive made up for that. Seventh snap of the drive, third and goal for the Colts at the one. Jamin stuffed running back Jonathan Taylor for a one-yard loss on a shotgun handoff run in yet another instance of the commander's defense stiffening 
when the defense needed to stiffen. Uh, I mentioned that big penalty by the commanders. The Colts' 10th offensive drive resulted in running back Naheem Hines' fourth quarter first and goal, six-yard shotgun handoff touchdown run. The third snap of the drive, the snap right before the touchdown, second and 22 for the Colts. At the Commander's 36, corner Rashad Wildgoose, a 30-yard pass interference penalty in covering receiver Paris Campbell. Some more from Ron Rivera during his postgame press conference on Sunday evening on the performance of the Commander's defense in this win at the Colts. Well, you know, I, I love the plan. I really did. You know, we, we, we played a lot of five-man fronts. Uh, we made a couple adjustments that, you know, we were going to try and stop the run. But a couple of things that got us, again, we gave us some explosives and something that, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll focus on again and try and make sure that doesn't get repeated. But, you know, I, I thought the plan was excellent. I thought changing some things up and, 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 and making it look different um, and doing some of the things that we were doing in the past, I, I think really helped. It, it helped Jamin settle in a little bit because those are things he's very familiar with. All right, up next, more regarding the Commander's win at the Colts, including the latest on Commander's co-owner and co-CEO Dan Snyder and Colts owner and CEO Jim Irsay. More has come up over the last few days with our guys Dan and Jim. Well, as you surely know, internet security and privacy are major issues. Uh, A great way to ensure internet security and privacy is with a VPN. VPN stands for Virtual Private Network. A VPN is a tool that encrypts your internet traffic and hides your IP address and virtual location. A VPN significantly boosts your online privacy and security. And there's no VPN that's better than NordVPN. Uh, the setup is easy. The benefits are many. You can secure your online data from internet thieves and third parties. You won't need to worry about unsecure websites or unsecure apps anymore. You won't need to worry about being on public Wi-Fi anymore. All of your internet traffic will be routed through a remote server so you can access websites that are restricted in your country. Uh, so you can have access to sports from all over the world and can have access to, say, not just the U.S. version of Netflix, but also the United Kingdom's version version of Netflix. Uh, Also, NordVPN has a threat protection feature that'll mean that you no longer have to worry about intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes the file before it makes a mess of your computer. And NordVPN allows you to secure up to six devices on one account. So here's what you do. Go to NordVPN.com dot com slash Al Galdi to get your subscription started. You can receive a huge discount on a two-year plan and get a free month. That's NordVPN.com slash Al Galdi. There's a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. That's NordVPN.com slash Al Galdi. NordVPN.com slash Al Galdi. Well, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast if you haven't yet done those things. Uh, You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Uh, Five-star ratings are very much appreciated, and you on Apple Podcasts can write a brief review saying that you like the podcast. The ratings and the reviews help us out a lot, and I very much appreciate you doing them. Uh, More now on the Commander's third consecutive win, 17-16 at the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday. Uh, Two guys 
who I want to highlight are receiver Curtis Samuel and running back Antonio Gibson. Although Curtis, the receiver, did some of his best work as a runner, and Gibson, the running back, did some of his best work as a receiver. Uh, Curtis Samuel, three receptions for 50 yards on four targets and four carries for 29 yards. Uh, Curtis was the commander's most effective runner in this game, which says a lot about both him and the rest of the commander's rushing offense in this game. But Curtis also had some big catches, including two big fourth down catches in the fourth quarter. Uh, The commander's 10th offensive drive, the 12-play 82-yard drive that ate up 6 minutes 17 seconds off the clock, resulted in kicker Joey Sly's fourth quarter 28-yard field goal to cut the Colts' lead to 16-10. The seventh snap of the drive, fourth and six for the commanders at the Colts' 48 quarterback Taylor Heineke, 18-yard shotgun completion to Curtis Samuel. Massive play in the game. Then on the commander's 11th offensive drive, the one that resulted in Taylor's first and goal one-yard quarterback sneak touchdown run with 22 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Fourth snap of that drive, fourth and one for the commanders at their 20. Taylor, a 12-yard shotgun completion to Curtis Samuel on an off-schedule play. Another huge play in the game. Uh, Also, Curtis had a big catch in the first half. Commander's fourth offensive drive resulted in a second quarter punt, the second snap of the drive, second and six for the Commanders at their 14. Taylor Heineke, a 20-yard shotgun play action completion to Curtis Samuel. But there also was the work of Curtis as a runner. And him doing well as a runner is nothing new, but man, he did do well as a runner in this game. The Commander's second offensive drive resulted in a first quarter punt, the third snap of the drive. Curtis Samuel, a second and seven, six-yard under center handoff end around run on which Curtis broke through an attempted tackle of edge defender Dio Odangbo. Uh, Commander's third offensive drive, six plays, 75 yards, resulted in the Taylor Heineke second quarter, first and goal, nine-yard shotgun play action, touchdown pass, to Antonio Gibson, fourth snap of the drive, Curtis Samuel, first and 10, eight-yard shotgun handoff run. Uh, how about what we had on the Commander's sixth offensive drive? Opening drive of the second half did result in a third-quarter turnover on downs, but the second snap of the drive, Curtis Samuel, second and four, 11-yard pistol triple option run. We had the speed option on display Uh, on that play. So a lot of good stuff from Curtis Samuel, who has been a very productive and durable player for the Commanders so far this season. Knock on wood, cross your fingers, pray to the football gods in the skies. Uh, And then with Antonio Gibson, seven carries for 19 yards. Okay, not much happening there, but seven receptions for 58 yards and a touchdown on seven targets. Gibson's work as a receiver, really impressive. I made mention of the touchdown catch. Commander's Third offensive drive resulted in Taylor Heineke's second quarter, first and goal, nine-yard shotgun play action touchdown pass to Gibson. It was wide open inside the 10. The ensuing extra point gave the Commanders a 7-3 lead. Uh, Also, Gibson had a number of double-digit yardage receptions in this game. Commanders' first offensive drive resulted in a first-quarter punt, first snap of the drive. Taylor Heineke, first and 10, 16-yard under center play action completion to Antonio Gibson, who made multiple nice moves in generating 15 yards after the catch. Commander's second offensive drive resulted in a first quarter punt, the first snap of that drive. Taylor Heineke, first and 10, 18 yard shotgun play action completion to Antonio Gibson, who made a nice catch of a low throw, then generated 21 yards after the catch. 
uh, that commander's 10th offensive drive, which gave us the Joey Sly fourth quarter 28-yard field goal. Uh, first snap of that drive, first and 10 for the commanders at their eight. Taylor Heineke, 10-yard shot and completion to Antonio Gibson. Second snap of the drive, Taylor Heineke, first and 10, 12-yard shot and completion to Antonio Gibson on a screen. Now, Gibson did have multiple receptions for negative yardage. That really ended up messing with his final numbers. The fifth snap of that commander's 10th offensive drive was a Taylor Heineke second and 10 shotgun completion to Gibson for a three-yard loss. Uh, Gibson also had a reception from minus four yards. Commander's fourth offensive drive resulted in a second quarter punt, third snap of the drive. Taylor had a first and 10 under center play action completion to Antonio Gibson for a four-yard loss on a screen. So if you take those two negative yardage receptions out of the equation, two catches that totaled minus seven yards, Antonio Gibson in this game, five receptions for 65 yards and a touchdown. I mean, that's pretty good for a running back in a game, right, as a pass catcher. Five receptions, 65 yards, and a touchdown. The final numbers ended up being seven receptions for 58 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the commander's at tight end for this game. So Colt Turner was inactive due to the concussion that he suffered in the win over the Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field in week seven. Interesting with Logan Thomas, he was back for this game. He did return from a three-game absence caused by a calf injury. However, he did not start the game. He was not targeted in the game. Despite playing on 56% of the commander's offensive snaps, John Bates had one reception for six yards on one target. Armani Rogers had one reception for 13 yards on two targets. And he did have a big reception. Uh, that commander's 10th offensive drive, which gave us the Joey Sly fourth quarter 28-yard field goal, eighth snap of the drive, Taylor Heineke first and 10, 13-yard under center play action completion to Armani Rodgers. Uh, the commander's starting offensive line did end up having Trey Turner and not Sadiq Charles at right guard. Uh, Sadiq was active of having dealt with illness, but uh, he did not start the game. Trey Turner was the commander's starting right guard for the first time since getting benched in the first half of the loss at the Dallas Cowboys in week four. Also, right tackle Samuel Cosme was active for a second consecutive game. But unlike what went down in the win over the Packers, Cosme uh, did play in this game. He played for the first time in four games. He had been out due to a finger injury on his left hand. Uh, we, on October 4th, had multiple reports that Cosme had undergone thumb surgery that day. But both Cosme and Sadiq active for this game, but not playing on any of the commander's offensive snaps in this game. The commander's starting offensive line, Charles Leno Jr. at left tackle, Andrew Norwell at left guard, Tyler Larson at center, Trey Turner at right guard, Cornelius Lucas at right tackle. You know, the offensive line to me has been better these last few games. It still, though, is not in a great spot. I mean, you think about the struggles of the running game for the commanders in this game. The offensive line had a good bit to do with that. You also did see Taylor Heineke get pressured a good bit. I mean, I go back to the commander's eighth offensive drive resulted in a third quarter three and out, third snap of the drive, third and six for the commanders at their 19. Charles Leno Jr. and Cornelius Lucas gave up immediate pressure and Taylor Heineke took a sack that was split by edge defenders Yannick Ngakwe, the Maryland product, and also Ifadi Odenabo for a 12-yard loss. Uh, and then there was what we had with the dueling owners in this game. Uh, Commander's co-owner and co-CEO Dan Snyder and Colts owner and CEO 
Jim Irsay. So everyone knows the deal by now. Jim Irsay in a session with reporters on October 18th at the NFL Fall League meeting in Manhattan, New York, became the first NFL owner to publicly question whether Dan Snyder should remain as owner of the Commanders. Quote, I believe that there's merit to remove him as owner of the Redskins. And quote, uh, Ursay also said, quote, serious consideration has to be given to the removal, and we have complete authority to do that. End quote. Well, Ursay since then has doubled down on those comments. Uh, Fox Sports NFL insider Jay Glazer on Fox NFL Sunday on October 23rd relayed a conversation that he had with Jim Ursay about Dan Snyder, and Ursay in that conversation doubled down on his comments on Dan Snyder. And then we had what we had over these last few days. Jim Ursay told the Washington Post in a phone conversation on Friday evening that NFL team owners must take control of the process to determine Dan Snyder's ownership status. Quote, I'm into transparency and I'm into the owners running the league End quote. Uh, Ursay also said that he disagreed with the process that led to the July 2021 penalties against Dan Snyder in Washington. Ursay referred to the team's $10 million fine and Dan's, quote, so-called suspension, end quote. And Ursay said that he was not, quote, consulted one time, end quote. Uh, now, the commander's have fired back with a statement that included the following, quote, it's unfortunate that Mr. Ursay continues to behave in a way that clearly is in violation of the Constitution of the NFL, end quote. That is an interesting aspect of all of this. The NFL's Constitution includes an Article 9. Uh, Article 9 of your NFL Constitution stipulates that no club member can publicly criticize another organization or its management. That is kind of funny that Dan Snyder supposedly is guilty of all this misbehavior, but it may in fact be Jim Irsay who is in violation of the NFL Constitution because he has been publicly critical of Dan Snyder. Now, as far as we know, Dan and Jim did not cross paths at Lucas Oil Stadium on Sunday. You know, just because two owners are in the same stadium doesn't mean that they actually interact. Uh, although we don't know that they didn't interact. We just haven't heard that they did. But we did see the shot of Dan during the game in his suite. And I tell you, Dan, it's a funny thing with him. It feels like he so often dresses down. I mean, he's wearing this like baggy sweatshirt at the game. He, he looked, I don't know, he can come off like a schlub in these circumstances. I guess you could say, hey, he's trying to be a man of the people, but we know that Dan is anything but a man of the people. But geez, like you look at Jerry Jones, right? He's always like in these nice suits. Jerry is Dan's idol. Why does Dan go to these games dressed like such a schlub? I, I, I never understand that. And who wear baggy clothes, that's another thing. You know, I don't know if Dan is trying to be 1990s hip hop. You know, maybe Dan's going to start busting out some fubu gear at one of these games. That'd be kind of cool, right? I mean, the commanders like to beat us over the head with how diverse they are, you know, and they love to tell you, oh, look at us, you know, look at how great we are. So maybe Dan's going to wear some fubu one of these days. I don't know. I kind of would like to see that. I'm not going to lie. Up next, the rest of your Washington, D.C. area sports weekend, including the Wizards. Uh, a bad weekend for the Wiz. Uh, so much for their defense being good.
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Well, so much for the Wizards defense being good early in this 2022-2023 NBA regular season. One of the Wizards' best defensive players, DeLon Wright, suffered a grade 2 right hamstring strain in the 120-99 win over the Detroit Pistons at Capital One Arena last Tuesday night. The Wizards, in their two games since then, have been awful defensively. Uh, Friday night, a 127 117 loss to the Indiana Pacers at Capital One Arena. The Wizards allowed the Pacers to score 127 points, including 75 points in the first half. The Wizards allowed the Pacers to go 15 of 29 on threes, allowed the Pacers to go 26 of 52 on twos. Uh, the Wizards fouled a bunch. The Pacers went 30 of 33 on free throws. Uh, the Wizards got dissected by Pacers point guard Tyrese Halliburton, who in exactly 36 minutes as a starter, went 3-6 on threes, 6-10 on twos, 4-4 on free throws, and finished with 25 points and 12 assists versus one turnover. So that was Friday night, and then on Sunday evening, the Wizards fell to 3-3 with a 112-94 loss at the Boston Celtics, and the game wasn't even as close as that 18-point margin of defeat might suggest. Uh, The Wizards got destroyed in this game. They lost the first quarter 34-15 and never held a single lead in the game. Uh, The Wizards' defense was bad for a second consecutive game. The Wizards allowed the Celtics to score 112 points, allowed the Celtics to go 21 
of 47 on threes. Now, the Wizards did hold the Celtics to 15 of 32 shooting on twos, uh, but the Wizards' offense in this game at the Celtics was really bad. I mean, at least in the loss to the Pacers on Friday night, the Wizards were decent offensively, but the Wizards in the loss at the Celtics on Sunday evening were quite bad offensively. Wizards went just 7 of 32 on threes, so think about that. The Celtics on threes, 21 of 47. The Wizards on threes, 7 of 32. Uh, The Wizards also went just 31 of 66 on twos and went just 11 of 16 on free throws. But I tell you what stood out maybe even more than the Wizards' defense in this loss at the Celtics on Sunday evening. That was the Celtics' defense on Bradley Beal. Beal got owned by the Celtics in this game. Uh, Bradley Beal, through three quarters, had four points. Bradley Beal, over the first three quarters, went 0 of 5 on threes and 1 of 8 on twos. Yes, Bradley Beal threw three quarters in this game, four points on one of 13 shooting from the field. Uh, Beal in the fourth quarter did go two of two on threes and scored eight points. And he, for the game, did have eight assists versus one turnover. So it's not like he did nothing, but he was a part of the bad defense. And man, he contributed next to nothing in terms of scoring, certainly by his standards. Uh, you know, Beal was good in that loss to the Pacers on Friday night, 37 minutes, 13 seconds as a starter, two of five on threes, nine of 13 on twos, seven of seven on free throws. He finished with 31 points, seven rebounds, four assists versus two turnovers and three steals. I understand that even great players have bad nights, but you know, Bradley Beal, and I know that it always comes back to the contract, but how can it come back to the contract? Supermax contract, okay? He's making more than $50 million per year. You have his big game on Sunday evening at an Eastern Conference power in the Celtics, and Beal has one of the worst games that you'll ever see him have. I mean, again, through three quarters, four points on one of 13 shooting from the field. Like, when you get a Supermax contract in a big game at the Celtics, you got to do better than through three quarters having four points on one of 13 shooting from the field to say nothing of Beal being a part of more bad defense by the Wizards. Um, So not a good weekend for them. Uh, Monte Morris was good in that loss to the Pacers on Friday night. I do want to make mention of that. Monte in that game, 12 assists versus one turnover and a team best plus minus rating of plus six. But yeah, I mean, if the Wizards are going to be this bad defensively, and if the absence of one guy, even a good defender in DeLon Wright, is going to ruin you defensively, then you're probably not that good defensively to begin with. So disappointing weekend for the Wizards. Busy week for the Wizards coming up. The Wizards right now are in the midst of a stretch of four games in six days. Next up for the Wizards, a game on Monday night, home to the Philadelphia 76ers at 7. And we move now to the Capitals. Uh, The Caps on Monday night will conclude a stretch of four consecutive games on the road. Uh, The Caps on Monday night are at the Carolina Hurricanes at 7. This off a very good win for the Caps on Saturday night. They improved a 5-4-0 with a 3-0 win 
at the Nashville Predators. Now, I say very good win. Uh, this was a very good win in terms of the circumstances. This was not a very good win in terms of two more key caps getting injured. Uh, defenseman John Carlson suffered a lower body injury in the first period, and forward TJ Oshie suffered a lower body injury in the first period. Neither guy returned to the game, and the Caps already were without four key players due to injury. Forward Connor Brown has been out since suffering a lower body injury in the 6-4 win over the Vancouver Canucks at Capital Win Arena on October 17th. Center Nicholas Backstrom has yet to play this regular season and may not play at all this regular season. He, on June 17th, underwent left hip resurfacing surgery in Belgium. Uh, for Tom Wilson has yet to play this regular season as he recovers from a torn left ACL that he suffered in the Caps 4-2 win at the Florida Panthers this past May 3rd in Game 1 of the Caps' six-game loss to the Panthers in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And Ford Carl Haglin has yet to play this regular season, and he may not play at all this regular season. Haglin, on October 10th, underwent an arthroscopic surgical procedure to address his chronic left hip. He already was trying to come back from a serious left eye injury that he suffered in practice this past March 1st. So, I mean, you think about it, right? John Carlson, TJ Oshie, Connor Brown, Nicholas Backstrom, Tom Wilson, Coral Haglin, all unavailable to the Caps as this game went on on Saturday night. The Caps have been mangled by injury, and yet they win via shutout at the Predators on Saturday night. Uh, here was Caps head coach, and oh, by the way, former Predators head coach Peter Laviolette during his post-game session with reporters late night on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, it was, I thought we played really well. Um, and you're right, when you lose one player, it's tough. You're, you're swinging the bench in different ways, but you lose two players, one forward, one defenseman, and it's pretty early on in the game, and you're really juggling it for the rest of the game. So um, I thought our guys did a terrific job. Just We put a lot of minutes on guys, and um, I thought they responded really well. Yes, they did. A great game for goaltender Darcy Kemper. He stopped all 34 of the shots on goal that he faced. You know, Kemper hasn't exactly killed it for the Caps so far. This was just the third time in seven games for Kemper in this regular season that he allowed two goals or less in a game. But Kemper on Saturday night performed like the franchise goaltender who the Caps envisioned uh, when they this past July 13th signed him to that big money contract, signed him as an unrestricted free agent to a five-year, $26.25 million contract. Uh, Kemper on Saturday night per natural stat trick stopped all nine of the high danger shots on goal that he faced, stopped all four of the medium danger shots on goal that he faced, and stopped all 20 of the low danger shots on goal that he faced. The Caps went five of five on the penalty kill. Kemper obviously was a big part of that. Uh, so too is Ford Garnett Hathaway, who had some big block shots. He finished the game with three block shots. Now, it was disappointing to see the Caps commit five minor penalties. The Caps in this game actually did quite well in five-on-five play. The Caps, per natural stat trick, finished with 52 five-on-five shot attempts to the Predators' 40, and yet the Caps finished the game with just one more shot on goal than the Predators had, 35 versus 34. That speaks to being on the penalty kill so often on Saturday night. The Caps did go 0-3, on the power play. Uh, forward Alex Ovechkin had a goal, a third period even strength empty net goal. Also had a game high tying five shots on goal, a team high tying seven total shot attempts and three hits. And six foot six forward Alexi Protis, a guy who the Caps took in the third round of the 2019 NHL draft, had a nice game, third period even strength goal. And he finished number two on the Caps in five on five shot attempt percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 73. 
0.33. The Camps with Protus on the ice in five-on-five situations in the game had 11 shot attempts versus allowing four shot attempts. The likes of Alexi Protus are who the Caps are going to have to lean on here as they are without a bunch of key players. You know, the Caps have a lot of experience in recent seasons in playing without key players, and uh, the team right now is gaining even more experience in that department. And let's talk some college football. Week 9 of the 2022 season included overtime games for both Navy and Virginia, although only one of those teams won, uh, and that team was the midshipmen. Uh, Navy improved to 3-5 and five overall and 3-3 three and three in the American Athletic Conference with a 27-20 overtime win over Temple at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland on Saturday. Uh, you know, that the mids needed overtime to beat Temple not good. Uh, Temple is one of the worst offensive teams in the FBS. The Owls through Week 8 were number 130 out of 131 FBS teams in offensive efficiency per ESPN for this season. Uh, also, the Mids on Saturday blew a 13-0 second quarter lead and blew a 2010 fourth quarter lead. But the biggest item for Navy in this game was what happened at quarterback. Navy quarterback Ty Lovatai in the first quarter suffered what head coach Kenny Matololo during his postgame press conference called a season-ending injury. So Ty Lovatai apparently is done for the season. Uh, we ended up seeing a good bit of backup quarterback Xavier Arline in this game. Uh, Arline, on the first offensive drive of the second half, had a lost fumble that was returned for a touchdown during a Navy offensive possession that started at the mids five. But Arline scored the game-winning touchdown, uh, which was a second and eight, 23-yard under center triple option touchdown run in overtime. Uh, here was Kendi Amatololo during his post-game press conference on Saturday evening on Xavier Arline. With Xavier, you know, we'll probably run more option stuff. You know what I mean? And, and he did a really good job with that, you know. So we just had to settle down a little bit. You know, he hadn't been playing as much. You know what I mean? So obviously that turnover start there first. Well, we had that um, miscommunication on the kickoff again. You, uh, you couldn't start the second half in a worse situation. You get the ball down there. We are just trying to fair catch it to get the ball to 25. And that happened. Then we fumble for it for a touchdown. Um, and those normally can be super deflating, but again, to the resolve of our young men, they kept going, kept playing. And X, you know, kept playing. So proud of those guys, proud of our team. Yeah, so good for Navy to get the win over Temple, but Navy's offense was not good. Oh, the Mids generated just 224 total net yards of offense, averaged just 3.11 yards per play, uh, went just 8 of 21 on third downs. The Mids totaled two pass attempts the entire game, so the rushing offense was back to being underwhelming. Uh, Navy's defense was good against, uh, yes, a terrible offensive team in Temple. The Mids held the Owls to just 4.24 yards per play, held the Owls to just 4 of 16 on third downs, held Owls quarterback E.J. Warner to just 24 of 48 passing for just 268 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions, and sacked them four times. Although the mids in a fourth quarter that they lost 10-0 gave up multiple big third down completions to Warner. Uh, this was Navy's final game this season at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium, uh, at least in terms of the regular season. Uh, the mids' only remaining home game is a game against Notre Dame in Baltimore on November 12th. But the mids, despite all of their problems, uh, are 3-3. Three and three 
in the American Athletic Conference. Uh, the mids are at 500 in conference play. Uh, next up for Navy at Cincinnati this Saturday afternoon at 4. So Navy on Saturday won at home in overtime, but Virginia did not. Uh, the Cavaliers fell to 3-5 and five overall and 1-4 and four in the ACC with a 14-12 quadruple overtime loss to Miami at Scott Stadium in Charlottesville, Virginia on Saturday afternoon. Uh, this was a game that so needed to end, but refused to end. Uh, this game was brutal. Uh, neither team scored a touchdown the entire game. The game was decided on two-point conversion attempts in the fourth overtime. In case you don't know, in 2021, the NCAA Playing Rules Oversight Panel approved changes to overtime rules. Among those changes, if a game reaches a third overtime, the teams will run alternating two-point plays as opposed to having alternating offensive possessions starting at 25-yard lines. Uh, previously, alternating two-point plays didn't begin until a fifth overtime. Uh, Virginia and Miami in this game went a combined 10 of 33 on third downs, and we got four quarters and four overtimes uh, of this masterpiece. Uh, Miami kicker Andres Borregales connected on a game-tying 20-yard field goal as time expired in the fourth quarter. Uh, if only what had happened in Virginia-Miami last season had happened this past Saturday afternoon. Uh, Borregales in Virginia's 30-28 win at Miami last season, September 30th, 2021, missed a 33-yard field goal attempt as time expired in the fourth quarter. The kick went off the left upright. Uh, the Cavaliers' offense, again, was not good. Uh, the Cavs did not score a touchdown on any of their four red zone possessions. The Cavs went just 5 of 16 on third downs. Uh, Wahoo's quarterback, Brendan Armstrong, a very mixed game. He completed just 15 of his 25 pass attempts. He overthrew receiver Dontavian Wicks on what should have been a deep touchdown pass, underthrew receiver Lavelle Davis Jr. on another pass attempt that should have resulted in a touchdown. But in fairness to Armstrong, tight end Grant Mish had a killer drop. A uh, Mish in the end zone on a third quarter, fourth and goal at the one for the Hoos, dropped an Armstrong shotgun pass that should have resulted in a touchdown. Uh, but Brendan Armstrong did take five sacks. He did also throw for 208 yards. He actually averaged 8.32 yards per pass attempt and 13.87 yards per completion. And Armstrong was effective as a runner, including having a first quarter third and 13 20-yard shotgun scramble and a second quarter third and 14 16-yard shotgun scramble. But the Who's running game did very little. Uh, running backs Paris Jones, Xavier Brown, and Mike Hollins combined for 13 carries for 52 yards. Although Hollins did have a great reception, he had a third quarter, third and nine, 64-yard reception on a shotgun screen from Brendan Armstrong as Hollins generated 67 yards after the catch on what was his only target of the game. Uh, here was UVA head coach Tony Elliott during his postgame press conference on Saturday afternoon. On the offense, uh, specifically going 0-4 in the red zone in terms of scoring touchdowns. We needed to make the issue is we needed to make one more play uh, than they did, and uh, they made a play there at the end, and we didn't we didn't make a play. Uh, but it's been it's been seems like that's been the, the theme with us offensively is we're just leaving you know points on the on the field. You know there was several trips to the red zone. You know uh, it's why you always tell them like Lavelle he's trying hard, but man find a way to find to keep your feet score a touchdown. You know Miss yeah the ball got on you quick man find a way to, to make the to, to make the touchdown. Might get the ball in the end zone uh, because we knew. 
uh, coming into this game and, and, and I challenge the guys offensively, you know, that defensive line that Miami has is pretty good. They're pretty stout. You know, they've played a lot of football. They're experienced. I knew that it was going to be a challenge to run the football, uh, and we were going to have to do a good job to be able to protect. Uh, but th there were some plays there. We got to make it. You know, opening, I think, maybe the second play, first, second play, we got, we got Wicks open. You know, we got to make those plays. Um, and, you know, the guys continue to strain. They continue to fight. You know, I thought that overall uh, the team made progress. Um, you know, you look at two weeks ago versus Louisville. You know, we were trying, we were trying to give the way, give the game away early. Then we come back, we battle through adversity, and then now we're in a four-quarter game, four-overtime game, uh, all the way down to the uh, to the end. So, definitely not the outcome. Uh, that we wanted, and the guys are going to be sick when they when they watch those four or five, maybe six plays uh, that would have made a big difference in the game that we didn't make. No, you did not. Uh, UVA's defense was good. UVA held Miami to just 3.89 yards per play and to just 5 of 17 on third downs. Uh, Miami's starting quarterback was Jake Garcia in place of the injured Tyler Van Dyke. Uh, UVA held Garcia to just 15 of 29 passing for just 125 yards, no touchdowns, and no interceptions. Although UVA did have problems with Miami running back Henry Parrish Jr., who finished with 24 carries for 113 yards. And maybe the biggest bright spot of all for Virginia was its kicker, uh, Will Betridge. He went 4-4 on field goals, including connecting on a 41-yard field goal in each of the first two overtimes. Uh, next up for Virginia, home to North Carolina this Saturday at noon. And whereas Virginia has been woeful offensively this season, the Tar Heels are an offensive machine. Uh, they improved to 7-1 overall and 4-0 in the ACC with a 42-24 win over Pitt on Saturday night. Carolina is number 15 in the latest Associated Press Top 25 poll, which came out on Sunday afternoon. UNC quarterback Drake May continues to kill it he, in this game, went 34 of 44 for 388 yards, five touchdowns, and no interceptions. And he had 14 official carries for 61 yards despite taking two sacks. Drake May this season has 29 touchdown passes versus three interceptions, has a yards per pass attempt of 9.71, has a completion percentage of 71.3. He is fourth among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS and ESPN's total QBR for this season at 90.2. QBR is on a scale of 0 to 100. Drake May's total QBR is 90.2. Speaking of facing a good offense, uh, Old Dominion got got by a good offense on Saturday. The Monarchs fell to 3-5 and five overall and 2-2 two and two in the Sunbelt Conference with a 31-17 loss at Georgia State. ODU got carved up by Georgia State quarterback Darren Granger, who went 14-20 for 195 yards, a touchdown, and no interceptions, and had 19 carries for 104 yards and a touchdown. ODU is rather banged up right now. Uh, the Monarchs' offense in this game struggled, went just 4-14 on third downs. Quarterback Hayden Wolf completed just 19 of his 34 pass attempts, got sacked six times. Next up for Old Dominion, home to Marshall this Saturday afternoon at 2. No game for Liberty over the weekend, but we did have two significant news items with the Flames. Uh, first of all, the Flames are ranked. Uh, Liberty is the number 23 team in the latest Associated Press Top 25 poll, which came out on Sunday afternoon. Also, Liberty on Friday afternoon announced a contract extension for head coach Hugh Freeze through the 2030 season. Uh, this is Freeze's fourth season 
as the Flames head coach. His record at Liberty is 33-12, and including being 3-0 and in bowl games. Uh, Freeze has the Flames bowl eligible for the fourth time in as many seasons for him as a team's head coach. Uh, the Flames this season are 7-1 despite being on their third starting quarterback. And, you know, it's no coincidence when this extension came. This extension came off what Hugh Freeze called the biggest win in Liberty football history, that 41-14 blowout of BYU at Williams Stadium in Lynchburg, Virginia on October 22nd. But here is what is as notable as anything with this extension, the money. Uh, consider this from ESPN College Football Insider Pete Thamel. Quote, the contract is eight seasons. It averages just under $5 million per year, according to ESPN sources. It is fully guaranteed through the 2030 season, per the sources. And the annual salary will make Freeze the highest paid group of five coach in 2023 after Cincinnati transitions to the Big 12 End quote. Uh, Liberty is paying big money to keep Hugh Freeze, but how long it'll keep him is anyone's guess. I mean, Hugh Freeze was Ole Miss's head coach for five seasons, 2012 through 2016. He did leave Ole Miss in shame. Uh, he resigned in July 2017 off the school, finding a pattern that included phone calls to a number associated with a female escort service. Uh, also, Ole Miss was the subject of an NCAA investigation during Freeze's time as the Rebels head coach. Look, Hugh Freeze, he may know how to dial up hookers, but he also knows how to dial up plays. The guy can coach, and the potential for him to get another major head coaching job is real. And so Liberty is paying up. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tuesday's show, episode 433. We'll have a lot more for you on the commanders off them improving to four and four with a third consecutive win. 17-16 at the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday. We on Monday expect to have the day after the game press conference of head coach Ron Rivera. Oh, by the way, you know... Who is next for the Commanders? The 6-1 Minnesota Vikings, led by, yes, starting quarterback and former Redskins quarterback Kirk Cousins. Uh, Commanders home to the Vikings this Sunday afternoon at 1. Also on Tuesday's show, we'll talk Capitals and Wizards with each team playing on Monday night. The Caps on Monday night are at the Carolina Hurricanes at 7. The Wizards on Monday night are home to the Philadelphia 76ers at 7. Have a great rest of your Monday, and I'll talk to you on Tuesday. Um, do our jobs. There's a couple things that really are disappointing. You know, we had an opportunity on a couple of those third downs to shut them down, and we had a couple of guys do their own things, and that's crap. We're not going to have that. We're going to get that corrected.